Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Oderico, and joining me is LPJ professional Cindy Miller, and we are your hosts. We're broadcasting live every Tuesday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the blogtalkradio.com network, bringing you some of the best golfers, teacher professionals, and entrepreneurs helping to elevate women's golf. We're so glad you decided to join us this morning, so grab your coffee and let's get started. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome once again to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Odorico, and right alongside, of course, each and every week is none other than Legends Tour player and LPJ professional Cindy Miller, and we are your hosts here on the Women of Golf. Good morning, Cindy. Good morning, Ted. How are you? I, I'm doing well. Uh, it's the 8th of December. Uh, I mean, where's this month going? It just seemed like it was December 1st, and now all of a sudden it's the 8th. And uh, Christmas is just right around the corner. Are, are you ready? I'm almost ready. I'm more ready than I normally am. I don't know yeah, why. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty much there too, actually. Um, uh, we'll talk about that here in just a second. Uh, all right, I want to remind everybody, of course, we are live every Tuesday mornings from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the blogtalkradio.com network. And we've got a great show for you this morning. We're going to be joined on the second half uh, by Jody Jackson. She's a performance coach and a Class A uh, LPJ professional. She'll be joining us on the second half. And, of course, as always, we will start off uh, once again with a great discussion on the No BS Zone. And uh, we're glad that you can join us. But let me remind everybody, of course, the Women of Golf is brought to you by iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing top quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiast. And, of course, Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine, offering insightful reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top PGA and LPGA teacher professionals, all designed to help improve your game from tee to green. So subscribe today at golftipsmag.com. <coughs> Pardon me. Pardon me. I didn't know if I was going to get through that without a cough. Uh, apparently not. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's kind of – I mean, this year has just been a little bit uh, – we'll get to our discussion in a moment, but um, – it's been a little bit crazy. It's, it's hard to know what to do. You know, we're now getting in, in certain parts of the country, Cindy, we're getting some, um, the latest is uh, more shutdowns, um, you know, restaurants, uh, entire States, uh, like California, of course, are going to be shutting down. What about what's, what's happening up in your neck of the woods? Are they talking about that as well? They are. There's no in, um, there's no in-person dining. There's takeout. Restaurants are closed. Uh, we're orange, and I think we're close to red, but I think Governor Cuomo is a little leery to shut the whole place down because it's Christmas, and what that will do to store owners and small business owners, and I, I hope to God. But just the other day, a little girl that we teach, her uncle died, of COVID. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's getting closer and, and <clears throat> a couple of friends have tested positive. It's just, it's, you know, it's like, where's the vaccine? And, and I'm, I got to whine a little bit. Why is England doing the vaccine already? And we're not, I mean, I don't get that. How come they're, 
I missing? Yeah, that? they. Well, apparently, this is what I've heard, and we won't we won't stay on this too long because I know we got to get to the show. But what I've heard is this: that it was approved in England already, and because the FDA has not given the green light, that's why they're getting it first. And that's also been. Um, recently, as of yesterday on the news, they talked about Pfizer being one of the uh, principal companies, uh, pharma companies that was going to be administering uh, or providing the vaccine or their version of the vaccine, um, that it could be as late as June before they could issue any additional uh, vaccines in addition to what they've already done um, because of that. So, yeah, there's a lot of uncertainty about it, and obviously they, they had developed a, a batch of it already that's going to be coming out, I believe, if everything goes well this weekend, uh, they're going to start uh, distributing it. But uh, it could be before round two, if you will. Uh, they're saying now it could be June 2021. So um, we're, we're not out of the woods yet. Uh, it could be several more months, certainly through the winter and probably very likely through the spring as well. But we're going we're gonna to have positive thoughts. We're going to put this behind us sooner than later um and uh, we're just going to pray for all of those and just be safe out there you know we obviously you know are getting a little bit shell-shocked of being cooped up for a long time many of you out there so i just want to say this that um you know just uh, reach out to your neighbors and uh and just help them if you can obviously social distance but help them if you can especially if they're the elderly um you know do what you can to help them because uh, a lot of people are, are very un- unsettled right now and uh, coming into this christmas holiday we need to spread some of that cheer and, and uh, help lift people's spirits up. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll hopefully get this vaccine out and, and through to the masses uh, uh, again very quickly. But uh, that's what I've heard as of yesterday. So we'll see what happens. But um, very difficult for a lot of families. And our condolences go out to those that have obviously lost uh, loved ones and are, are struggling through um, the coronavirus. All right, Cindy, we're going to talk a little bit in the no BS zone. Uh, We're going to start the show off, and then we'll be joined by Jody on the second half. Uh, I thought we would reflect a little bit on 2020 with some of the the points here. And uh, I thought one that we could talk about, I know we've we've kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but things have, you know, progressed even more. So we'll, we'll sort of revisit some of these. But what were some of the biggest improvements, Cindy, that you have seen this year amongst students? Hmm. <laughs> I think learning to trust themselves. Um, when you play, anytime you want to improve, you have to fail to get better. And I believe that the more you put yourself out there, you should embrace failing. Hey, let's go screw this up some more so that I can right. learn how to get over it. And I believe that's what's happened in 2020. And I, that, that's a blessing, even though it may sound as though it's not. Um, mm-hmm. I believe that if you embrace failing, you can learn mm-hmm. to succeed. And our last couple guests, we're talking about I'm 26 now and I'm playing in my second U.S. Open and now I believe mm-hmm. I belong. So I think it's belief. 
Yeah, I, I would agree what with that. What about you? Yeah, I, I, pretty much the same, but I, I think a, a lot of it is, you know, again, people have had more time to be able to, as, as we both have talked about this before, but this year has been very unusual, obviously, um, to say the least. And golf has, has certainly in many ways benefited from uh, the circumstances. And I think people are, what I've noticed is people are, because they've got more time, they're willing to risk more. And that kind of plays into what you're talking about. You, you know, if you don't take risks, you know, if you don't challenge yourself out in the golf course, if you try to go the, the, you know, the, the slow and steady all the time, sometimes you have to push yourself a little bit. And yeah, you might fail more often than not, but you're going to learn from those failures. And that's exactly really the point that you're making. And that's what I've seen this year. The other thing that I've seen a lot, too, is, again, because people have had more time on their hands, they're actually willing to spend more time practicing. This is something that, you know, many uh, teach professionals, coaches, whatever, have really kind of complained about for years is, you know, how do I get my students out there practicing more? And... Um, you know, a lot of it is because their, their time restraints were so much that they didn't have the time. Now, all of a sudden, they got a little bit more time, and they're willing to put that, that extra effort in. And I think that's some of the improvement that I've seen is, you know, not only are they improving their overall game, but they're improving, improving excuse me, how they approach it and, and how they um, are willing to take more chances um, in order to you know, to learn from that. And you're exactly right in your analogy is you have to learn from your mistakes and you're going to make certainly much more or many more mistakes than you. Your success is what you take away from it um, more so than whether you hit the best shot or, or not. Um, and I think that's what I've started to see. What about the opposite side though? What, what areas or uh, typically have you noticed a, a lot of your students um, really having a hard time grasping what, what area of the game or is there certain things that they, they just don't seem to get doesn't matter what you say or do. Sometimes they're just, it's like they're out in left field. What do, what do you think? Say that a different way. All right. <laughs> um, what area of the game typically do most students have the most difficulty understanding? I think that they – I don't know that it's a part of the game. I believe it's in what they're doing. I believe that people have issues trying to hit the ball and don't understand that they're in control of the piece of equipment that's going to hit the ball. So instead of trying to hit the ball, they need to learn what they're doing with the club that will hit the ball. So if they learn how to swing the club the right way – the ball will take care of itself. And once I get mm -hmm. that through to them and I, I tend to trick them, you know, it's funny. I, you have, when you're trying to make a change in someone, you have to trick their brain. And when I do that, they hit it good and they look at me and go, how did that happen? I said, because I'm messing with you. I'm making you think of something different so that you don't try to hit the ball. Therefore, you do hit the ball. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yes, it so does. So that's Makes the most difficult part because people want to try to hit it. They look like Lash LaRue trying to kill kill something that's not moving. <laughs> and then they, right? right? I mean, right. that's what's happening. <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, one of the things that, that, and I had, when I was 
you know, obviously many moons ago, but when I was much younger, this was something that my father used to get me to do. He'd, you know, he'd always say, okay, you know, come on, Ted, let's take a couple of practice swings. And then, you know, I'd get up and of course you kind of freeze over the ball, which a lot of our students do. They freeze and they, they try to slap at the ball. And he said to me one time, and I never really thought about it. He said, you know, when you take your practice swings, they're perfect. You're doing everything right. You're swinging. You're not thinking about anything. But for some reason, when you step in front of that ball, it's like you're in a different world. So what I try to do with a lot of my students is I'll get them lined up. And then what I'll do is I'll get them to close their eyes. Of course, they're set set up to the ball. And I'll say, now take a practice swing. Don't open your eyes. Just take a practice swing. And it's amazing when they don't think that the ball is there or they can't see the ball and they just take a good old practice swing. Uh, now, some of them whiff it a little bit a few times, but after a while, they start to get that sense and that feeling. And I think that's one of the things is, is you know, we always talk about transitioning from the range, you know, out to the golf course. But sometimes it's something simple as, you know, just taking a good old practice swing and then stepping in front of the ball and just getting them to transition. Because you're right, they're slapping at it, they're hitting at it, and it's just, you know, it can be an ugly scene sometimes. And what they don't realize is you're swinging the golf club. You're not hitting with the golf club. The, the ball simply gets in the way of your swing um, is another way to look at it. And that's something that I think a lot of people grasp is they just, for some reason, you know, their practice swing looks pretty good, but then they get in front of that ball and all of a sudden they're tensed up and, and they're just, you know, they're changing their swing for some reason. And, you know, that was something my father used to say to me all the time. He says, now, why are you swinging differently when you're over the ball, then when you just take a practice swing, he said, when you take a practice swing, it's fluid. It's, you know, it's balanced. Everything works great. But then as soon as that ball's there, it just, you know, all, all the, the wheels fall off the bus, so to speak. Um, and, and I think that's something that I've noticed this year, particularly that I've tried to help with my students. And that's something that they still, you know, don't always grasp, but you know, you, you have to try to, as you said, you have to sort of trick them. Um, you know, Cindy, we, we all, I think would agree that the, the grip, the stance, posture, you know, uh, balance and so on uh, is, is key to building a solid foundation. But what are some other things that you think are important for students to understand if they want to become a better player? I mean, we want to build that foundation first and foremost, but what are some other things that you can think of that um, are important if you want to be a better player? Planning your shot. I don't think people take enough time contemplating and inspecting their options, where they are, where they want to go, what's their smartest play from this location. I don't believe they take the time to do that. I think they just grab a club and go. And I think if they took, you know, while they're getting to their ball, whether they're walking or riding in a cart, okay, what's this new challenge what am i faced with where am i going you know the water's over there well how far is the water should i lay up you know what Mm. how can i make the game easier by missing it better and that's what i think they miss and i think if they started to think that way it would change everything yeah it's almost like they plan to fail you know you know you see a lot of amateurs i'm sure you've seen this in pro-ams and, you know, they'll hit their, their drive, and it's a pretty decent drive. And maybe they've got a pretty good clip to the green, and they're pulling out a, you know, a three-wood or, or some other, you know, longer club. 
as though they're going to try and go for the green. And you know, just based on what you've seen their abilities thus far, they're not going to make it. But they don't think about it. They say, well, you know, this is 200 and let's say 25 yards. I better pull out my three wood um, or, you know, whatever the, the yardage is. And they're not thinking about it. They're not putting any thought into it. And, you know, you're exactly right. You know, maybe it might be better for them to lay up uh, in that particular case and, and allow themselves a shorter club into the green. And I, I would agree. I think once, you know, we spend so much time, and I'm talking about players out there and students, they spend so much time, you know, certainly working on their fundamentals and trying to hit the perfect shot, but then they get in the, out in the golf course and they have no game plan. They just get out there, well, it's par four, it's, you know, 435 yards, whatever the case is, and I better pull up my driver. But they're not thinking about that creek that runs down the middle or there's a, you know, a, a, a long uh, hazard that's running on the right-hand side and they're a slicer by, by trade, and they don't stop and think about it. And um, so I, I would agree with you. I think poor planning um, is something that, you know, if you want to become a better player, you need to do. Um, here's I don't one I think, think they that, know that that's possible. I don't, right. I don't think they're aware that, oh, I shouldn't do that, right? Right. And, and, and obviously that, you know, comes over time. It comes with experience. You learn as you, as you go along. And that's really going back to your earlier point about it's okay to fail. You know, you learn from your failures. If you're going out there and you're not planning and, you know, you're, you're getting disastrous results, well, there's a cue. Okay, well, maybe I need to think about this the next time I go out, especially if you're playing your home course. You should know your heart. If you've played it for any length of time, you know your home, home course. So you know what holes you can reach, what holes you can't reach. So, you know, unless your skill level has increased to a point that, hey, I can pull up my three wood now, you don't need to be doing it um, unless you're, you know, uh, hitting it for accuracy off the tee or something. But, and this is what, again, it, it comes to poor planning and they, they literally set themselves up for failure and then they wonder why they get disgruntled and then they're coming back and coming back and say, I just can't figure it out. You know, maybe, maybe my grip's not any good or maybe, you know, I'm not hitting the ball very well and you, you know, line them up with a few shots and they're hitting a, a pretty decent ball, but then you get them up the golf course and, you know, all hell breaks loose. They haven't got a clue as to what to do. So uh, I think that's a great point. Um, here's one. Now, I know we try to avoid this. Um, I don't believe in quick fixes and, and so forth, and I, I know you don't either. Uh, but this happens sometimes. Somebody comes up and talks to you and says, hey, um, I've only got a few minutes. So let's say you've got 10 minutes with a student. What would you say or advise them to do to get the most out of that time? Not necessarily the most out of their game, the most out of that time. What would you want to do in that 10 minutes to give them the best chance for success? I would watch them hit three balls, and then I would give them a quick fix, and I would trick them. So let's say it's somebody who keeps topping it. I would tell them to put some garbage or grass behind the ball and make sure they brush the ground. If they're slicing it and their body's moving way too far forward, I would make them pick up their left heel and keep it up the whole time. I would give them a fast, quick fix. And they would look at me shocked and I would say, look, your brain is not going to grasp this. You need to do what I'm telling you to make this work on the course. What would you do? Yeah, something similar. 
I think I would want to give them something to think about. You know, if they're coming up and they're saying, hey, can I have, you know, a few minutes of your time? Normally, I don't like to do that because, again, you know, you're not really, um, you know, get, getting a proper assessment. But if somebody said, hey, you know, I've only got a few minutes here. Can you help me with my game? Um, you know, again, I would do similar, similar, you know, maybe three to five shots, get an idea of what's happening with them, um, where the ball's going and that sort of thing. And then I would probably do something similar um, to what you suggested, I would probably give them something. I'm, I'm more, I think, as opposed to actually altering, you know, especially in 10 minutes, you can't do a lot of things. But, you know, instead of altering their swing, I would probably say, you know, you're not hitting it very far. You're not getting a lot of club head speed. So what you need to do is don't try to, you know, belt it out there. If you get on a, on, on the tee, and you're not hitting, you can't hit your driver very well, that's not the club to put on your hand. So I think I would probably say to them, let's dial back the clubs a little bit, um, especially on your tee shots, and going back to the point we, you know, we just talked about before, and that is to have them really think about what it is they're going to do. Because most people, you know, they can hit a pretty decent ball, unless they're, you know, an outright beginner. Um, and I think if you, if you give them too much to think about, so I like to keep it simple as possible, and I usually say to them, let's dial it back a little bit until you get more comfortable and see how that helps. And, and that's what you want to practice on is let's hit the clubs I know I can hit well and don't try to engage with something you can't until you go out in the range and work on that. And that's probably what I would do in 10 minutes. Um, you know, and, and I found I think for most people that works is just getting them to, to sort of focus on the clubs that are working well for them, what they are able to hit, then trying to frustrate them and spending most of their time trying to hit clubs they can't. And let's get in a full session and let's find out the reasons why they're not hitting those clubs uh, any better. And then that's when we can work on those areas. Um, you know, one of the interesting things, you know, Cindy, we, with golf marketing and social media, um, you know, being presented to the average golfer. And this is everybody. It's not just from the manufacturers, but this is just social media as well in general, different golf groups and things like that. Um, in, in your opinion, are we overwhelming the average golfer out there with too much information? Um, and let me, let me sort of preface this a little bit. You know, we, we all have, most of us anyways, have websites and things that we want to direct our students and our followers to to, give them some tips and things like that. But there is so much information out there, both good and bad. Do you think that in some ways that maybe we're kind of oversaturating the market a little bit and that people are just getting so much information that it's confusing to them? What do you think about that? I don't think it's just the websites. I think that, um, I think that the good news for teachers is that students are confused and the bad news for students are students are confused. And I believe that students are looking for advice from too many sources, which is helping right. them confuse themselves. So if I were listening to this radio show right now and I was hitting it terrible, I would not go look for the fix because there are different churches, if you will. People teach differently. Sure. I believe right. you need to find 
someone that you can easily communicate with that you like that makes sense, I would investigate the source before I would listen to the solution because it could only make things worse. That being said, I would definitely investigate who do I want to listen to, and I think that's a blessing for students because they can choose from, you know, millions of teachers. Mm. But I believe that they need to be sure that they're finding the one they want to work with because there's so much out there, it could ruin you. What do you think? Yeah, and, you know, I I agree. You know, there is a lot of information. I mean, even when I look at it, there's like, wow. I mean, everybody's, you know, putting their two cents in there. And there's obviously a lot of very qualified people out there for sure. But there's also some that are kind of just throwing their two cents in, and they're not really qualified. They haven't really taught for very long. They're not really, um, you know, certified in the right areas. And what often happens is you you get a situation, and I'm sure you you know we've talked about this before, where you get a student will come in and say, well, you know what, uh, you know, you you talked about this the last lesson, and I was watching a video the other day, and well, they're kind of saying something different, and they're doing. And, and, you know, we get into a situation now where you're, you're starting to spend time. I mean, I don't, but, I mean, I don't, I've, I've spoken to others that have, where they're kind of spending time debunking, you know, a lot of myths out there or a lot of misinformation. And, yep. you know, and, and, and so going to your point, I think that's great. I think you need to, you know, it's good to have a lot of choices. You don't want to just um, – you know, we have a lot of choices with our phone companies now. We have a lot of choices with insurance companies and things like that. Um, you know, if we just had one out there, um, you know, that wouldn't be so good. So it's good to have options and choices. And you're exactly right. You have to find somebody that, you know, kind of fits your style. Maybe, you know, they communicate well with you. They sort of speak your language, if you will. Some people are very visual people. Um, you want to make sure that whoever you're dealing with, that your personalities, uh, you know, click very well, um, you know, and, and that's something you have to look at. And then you obviously want to make sure that they're qualified uh, to teach um, for sure. And then what you want to do is you want to stick with that. You know, you want to say, okay, I'm committed to this individual. They're going to help me with my game. I've, you know, done the research. I've done my homework, so to speak, and let's go for it. And then block everything else out there. Now, if there are some things that come across your way, there's nothing wrong with discussing it. But if you're going to get into a situation, Cindy, where you know the student is spending more time talking about things they've seen elsewhere instead of focusing on what you're bringing to the table, that's not a good. Uh, that's not a good. Rep, uh, it's actually a recipe for disaster, I believe. What do you think? Well, what I do is I say the reason the ball is going where it's going is because the club is doing this. And you're the one that's hitting, holding the club. So if I explain why it does what it does and what's causing it, it typically helps them understand. Now, the solution, you know, this is what I'm giving you, you know, the prescription for hitting it better. Do they always listen? No, because no one wants to look in the mirror. You know, no one wants to say, oh, I'm doing that. If, if you know, 
if lightning <laughs> struck you and said, here's how you stop slicing it, and it was God, would you believe him? Or would you go look at YouTube? <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sorry, but I can't help it. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's good. Uh, unfortunately, um, too many are doing the latter and maybe need to do the the uh, the other. But um, no, you're exactly right, and 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 there's nothing wrong with you know looking at at things, but it, it, it's like it's like this, you know, we all you know, most of us anyways, um, you know, we like a sweet every once in a while. So, you know what, maybe you have a little dessert <laughs> after your meal, uh, or maybe you, you like a chocolate bar once in a while. There's nothing wrong with that. But we know what's good for us. We know what makes us healthy, what makes us feel better. Um, and unfortunately, if we're satisfying cravings um, all the time that are not good for us, it has uh, or can have detrimental effects, not only on our health, but uh, not good for your teeth either. Um, and, and unfortunately, this is the trap that many people fall into. And is they, they want that, you know, they want what they want and they want it now. And so they want the quick fix. They want to, um, you know, they want to go out there and it's like, well, I've seen this and, you know, I've been trying this for a week, even though they just had a lesson with you last week and you've given them some some good instruction and some tips to work on. They're not working on what you're telling them, or they should be. But sometimes they'll they'll get deflected because of something else they've seen. Because they think, well, this is this looks like it might be faster or easier, or I don't have to spend as much time. And it goes back to what you said earlier: is you know you you have to you know you have to commit to these things. And if you're not willing to do it, you're not going to improve. So in, in the last moment or two. Be- Right before we bring uh, Jody out, as we wait for her, there's a lot of our listeners out there that are maybe new to golf this season. You know, the pandemic has you know brought a lot of people out to the golf courses. What's a quick checklist? Uh, again, we're limited on time here. What's a checklist that you would put together to give them the best start? If you're brand new to the game, what's a sort of a, a, a Cindy Miller quick checklist of things that you need to do uh, in order to give yourself the best start on this game? Find a good teacher, that's all, and set up a lesson. That's what I would do, and then the teacher would have, help you. You know, what kind of clubs and how much should you be there and how much should you practice. I mean, again, there's too many. We don't have enough time to go through it all, but find a good teacher. Investigate, and the beauty of the Internet is the fact that you can, you know, Google teachers in your area. And if, it, if you're a woman, it doesn't mean it has to be a woman, and if you're a man, it doesn't mean it has to be a man. Find the best teacher and investigate, look at their reviews, and book a, one lesson and see if it helps. I have people come in for an intro lesson. I say, if you don't like me and you don't like it, you don't have to come back. And if you do like me, you can apply that money towards a package. And then I'm going to give you everything yep. you need to be able to go play golf. Yep. And, and, and that's right. It, it, it really boils down to this. It's, it's somewhat of a personality um, you know, contest, if you will. Um, obviously, you know, skill levels have to be there as well, but it's a personality. I mean, you know, you might get somebody that comes in and for some reason they're just not hip to your style of, of teaching uh, or me or somebody else. And that's the beauty is they can search out and find out who they want. Um, and, you know, just because, you know, if you're married and, and your spouse is, is learning from that teacher over there, that doesn't mean that you have to find your own teacher if that one doesn't fit the bill. 
Um, you know, there are so many great options out there. And, and I'm 100% with what you just said. It doesn't matter whether it's male or female. There are a ton, and I mean a ton, of great LPJ teach professionals. In fact, um, if I had my, my druthers, I would probably take one from an LPJ professional that I would a PJ. And I know I'm going to get I'm going to get hung for saying that, but I, I just think that they they're very articulate. I mean, we, we've had a lot of great present company included, Cindy, uh, great LPJ professionals on the show, and they're very articulate and they really really listen. That's the thing is they've really got to listen to what it is, what your needs are and what it is that you want to accomplish. And it's not about their agenda or what they want to try to think that you need. It's really what you want to do with your game, and then they put together the best package that's going to get the results that you're looking for. So, all right, great discussion. I, I really like that this morning uh, as we reflect back on 2020. And uh, we're going to move forward, and we're going to bring our very special guest this morning, uh, Jody Jackson. She is a performance coach agent for mindfulness and game changer who uses golf as the training ground to support people in achieving their personal best. She's a class A member of the LPGA. Uh, She currently works as an instructor for the LPGA global education team, both online and internationally, and operates the Jody Jackson Golf on Vancouver Island in British Columbia, uh, a fellow Canadian, as it were. So, um, Cindy, let's welcome our very special guest this morning, Jody Jackson. Good morning. Good morning. It's early for you. It is early. It's like six thirty a.m. out here on the West Coast, but I'm I'm well, getting thanks for this getting is... up for us. <laughs> <laughs> You're very welcome. Thank you. Uh, yeah, thank you, Jody, for for joining us uh, this morning. And uh, we know it's early. Um, Cindy, you go ahead, and I'll let you start things off. All right. So the obvious question, if you're the one of the global education teachers, tell us how difficult it's been to train, teach the teachers how to teach when you can't get together. What have been the wins and the challenges this year? Well, the really interesting thing here in timing has been that the LPGA global education team was already developing our online delivery program before COVID-19 showed up on the planet. So we were a little ahead of the curve. And in that case, that was definitely a win. Um, The other win is that we can now access or provide accessibility to international People, and that is what the global education is. Uh, it's all about access for everyone on the world. And so, you know, traveling can be an expense for a lot of people. And we're finding that this will open it up to, to allow people to be a part of our membership, part of our training. And that's a great thing. Some of the difficulties, as you know, it's, it's, it's a different environment. Um, the energy is slightly different. Can we get across the points of content and delivery? Absolutely, without a doubt. And sometimes, you know, in looking at tracking that check for understanding, it's, it's a lot better um, because we have assignments and discussion boards and live calls in place to allow for that individualized tracking of are they getting what we're putting down. So uh, other than kind of the environment, Cindy, that, you know, it's not 
quite the same as being in a, in a room or at the facility, golf facility, green grass together. Um, I'd say so far the wins are outweighing the, the challenges. That's awesome. And I just have to ask, why? Tell the, our audience why the LPGA education program is so outstanding in the field of training and teaching professionals. Well, I think it's been an evolution of, you know, moving from the early days of Dr. Gary Wyron and, and the laws, principles, and preferences model to what we now call our integrated performance system, which essentially is a holistic, scientifically based, and best practices approach to teaching and coaching. So, you know, in, in simple terms, it's, it's constantly evolving and it's research-based, based on what's happening in the real world. And in that case, it's, it's flexible. It's changing with the times. And, and again, the number one thing when it comes to that um, IPS, or Integrated Performance System, is that it's all about the individual. And so, essentially, we're looking at catering to who's in front of us not using some type of a system that's generalized. And so um, the IPS, um, like I said, being scientifically based, takes into account the individual golfer, his or her physical capabilities and limitations, the equipment, that's a huge factor in creating the ball flight or the goal that our student wants, their intentions for what they're wanting to achieve or even for that very specific shot that they're coming to us for. So it's very holistic. It's a blend of motor learning, performance principles, physics, biomechanics, fitness principles, sports psychology, and even neuroscience. And uh, Dr. Debbie Cruz has been with us for a long time now. And as we all know, she's done some amazing research on the front lines in in neuroscience and, and the psychology of sport. Well, there you go. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. I, I, again, I think the answer I was looking for is we're going to teach the person that's in front of us. And that's, to me, that's the biggest, biggest difference. Uh, Ted, go ahead. So, Jody, um, Cindy and I were, were just talking in the earlier segment. Um, one of our last uh, discussions was about sort of the online presence um, you know, there's a lot of uh, instructors you know teaching online, um, not just because of the pandemic, obviously, but um, they've just sort of transitioned uh, partially, at least, to uh, to an online uh, instruction platform. Um, what should consumers or, or players look for? Because they're you know, and let me just again preface this a little bit for you, because I don't know how much of the conversation you may or may not have heard, but you know, there is so much information. Uh, coming at them over the internet right now, it's hard to s- sort of sift out what's really going to be beneficial uh, for them and what's kind of just a lot of chatter. Um, so if, if somebody's looking for um, that online instruction, what should they be looking for? Well, the first thing is there's a lot of bells and whistles in the golf industry, you know, from training aids to different technology that's surfaced and, what is the purpose of these things and how do they support or how will they be used to support the individual in front of them and their particular goal? So, you know, we can be told that 
technology will do the following for us. But in some cases, depending on that type of um, learning style that we have in front of us, they, they could ge- even come out of that lesson a little more confused because of the excess of technology and um, online platform that's being used. So that would be the first thing is, is to really understand what the individual instructor is using and how that supports that particular student or player seeking online instruction in their particular goal uh, that they want to achieve. The other thing we just covered in class actually recently is the quality of capturing video swings. And this is something that really needs to be considered because depending on how people are capturing their own swing and submitting it to the individual instructor, there can be a lot of misinformation out there. So, you know, if we're talking plane, for example, if, if that video is captured from the wrong camera angle, we could be right off base, you know, um, talking about a, a club coming so-called over the top or above plane when it was just a camera angle showing that. And now we've got an entire improvement strategy that isn't even relative just because of the quality of video submitted. So is there some training or is there some guidelines that these instructors are providing the players or golfers on how to capture video of their swings um, before they submit them in there. Yeah, let me just ask a quick follow-up on that because that's a, that's a great point. Um, thank you for that, Jody. Um, you know, when it comes to technology, you know, we see, we've seen a lot of advancements now in um, 3D technology and, you know, biomechanics and so forth. And I know talking with some of my students um, and getting some of their feedback, a lot of them really don't care so much about having all of this technology. I mean, certainly they want to see what their swing looks like. They want to see, you know, what it is they're doing right and what they're doing wrong. Um, but are we, uh, in some cases, are we relying a little bit in this, and I'm talking about the industry as a whole, are we relying a little bit too much on the technology in our teaching and not really paying attention to what the student's really asking? Thank you for saying that, Ted. That's brilliant. I 100% agree with you. <laughs> and, um, you know, I you think hear that, our Cindy? industry could be... <laughs> our industry I could did. Be serious disservice to our players because of, of the use of overuse of technology for sure. And so back to your point on your original question, you know, what to look for in our online instructors is, you know, that holistic approach are they, you know, are they asking these questions up front um, on how do people learn best? How do I communicate with you to get the point across for your ultimate learning? And can we approach you as a whole player In other words, not just uh, technique, not just the, um, what am I looking for, Uh, tactical. Sorry, not tactical. Um, Well, technique, essentially. So, you know, if we look at maybe even uh, the the TPI model, you know, that they talk about the whole player in in conjunction with what we teach in the LPJ, there's more to it than just uh, shot-making skills and, and the technique behind that. So often I think we're missing some of the, the emotional or mental uh, baseline that a lot of players are influenced by. So what are those internal 
intentions that are running. You know, often on the, the teaching tee for me, one of my first questions is how do we get the ball in the air? Are we hitting down on the ball, you know, with irons, or are we hitting up on it? And unbelievable, but nine times out of ten, most people are saying, well, I've got to hit up on the ball to get the ball in the air. So right away, if I didn't, you know, make some clarity around that perception of my student, you know, subconsciously they're doing one thing, and, and out here on external lands through my instruction, I'm, I'm asking them to do the opposite. So there's, there's a contradiction there, and we're not going to get too far down the pathway of achieving their goals. Well, and, and the, the reason why I ask that is, you know, when you look at most of the technology, it, it's really geared or designed at, you know, helping the student sort of hit that perfect shot or hit it correctly, which certainly is important, but it's not really teaching them how to play the game. And, yeah. you know, so they're spending so much time on, you know, trying to execute that perfect golf shot or get that, that you know, perfect golf swing that by the time they get out to the golf course, it might be a pretty looking swing and they might be hitting the ball pretty decent, but they haven't got a clue as to how to put everything together and actually score. And that's really what they want. So, you know, we don't see handicaps coming down um, across the board as much as we should with all of this technology. So I I don't want to sound like I'm criticizing technology because there is a, a place for everything, but I agree to what you said a moment ago. And that is, you know, maybe we're relying a little bit too heavily at times on the technology and not taking a more, holistic approach. Um, you're welcome to add anything to that, but, but Cindy, go ahead. Well, this is going to sound bad, but sometimes I believe that when you use too much technology, you're avoiding communicating with the student and you're looking at a number and you can't play golf thinking of numbers so i i believe that immediately you've got to find out do they want to see it feel it or hear it and who's the person in front of you and where's the ball going and what's the best way to teach them how to hit it better and play better golf i mean that's just simplified doesn't mean i don't have flight scope but i don't really use it and, you know, or ES-14 or whatever these other technology things are. But if you go into a studio and you want to strap somebody up to this machine, you know, I, I, whatever. It's just my personal opinion. Now, if you're totally left brain and you, and you love all that stuff, then go find a teacher that teaches that way. But that's my opinion. Yeah, I agree um, with you, Cindy. Yeah, I just I don't want to confuse it, the student, and and in part because I believe that it takes so much time to communicate the cause and effect, and then give them a a drill to practice. You know, something to see, feel, hear, videotape them. You know, but to make the changes that need to be made. I don't want them to worry about what's on a screen. I want them to be able to feel it, see it, and hear it themselves. So. Yeah, and I think yeah, it's important think... too. Students, students want. Let Go me. Ahead, uh, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. Just, I was just going to say real quick. You know, students want to have a conversation with their instructor. They don't want to feel like they're talking to a monitor. Um, you know, if if this if the coaches or the stu- or the uh, teaching pros face is in is in the laptop or the monitor and they're not really looking at the student other than through that perspective, 
then the student kind of comes away with a feeling that, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of, I hate to use this analogy, but I'm just another number. Um, and they're looking for that interaction with their coach and, and student, uh, you know, relationship um, as opposed to, again, just sort of, you know, being another statistic in, in the, in the process. Um, sorry, uh, Jody, go ahead. Yeah, I, I, I think we, we, we teach people, we don't teach golf swing and everyone comes to us with different capabilities. And, you know, Ted, you mentioned a lot of the technology is to do with teaching this perfect swing. And, and, you know, not only are we looking at the technique side of it, but we've, we've got to consider their physical abilities and, you know, I'll often see with our newer instructors that they've got some idea of what we need to be teaching our students, but they forget that some of our students that come to us have um, range of motion issues or mobility or stability issues. And we need to create a compensation and compensation is not a bad word, but something that is individualized for that student so that they can be successful playing the game and not, chasing some kind of a perfect swing so if they can like you said Cindy see here and feel it from their own individual bodies minds emotions vision etc then we're doing them a serious service and catering to that individual versus you know plugging in this this model golf swing that um you know this this end-all be-all which is is not the case I think we would have more golfers having a lot more fun on the golf courses if we if we really looked at training them from their inside out teaching them how to be their own best coach and not rely on us so much and and who knows maybe you know we've built it into this economic model of, of as a golf instructor to to create more lessons by keeping them more confused <laughs> right right now again let right. me just back this up because if you are trying to play on tour and you're a really good player, you know, under a five, maybe these numbers will help you see something that's, you know, more detail oriented. So I'm all for that. But my students that, you know, my typical student is someone who's just starting out or would love to break, would love to keep score or get it airborne. So I think it also depends on the student. Yes. Yeah, and I think it, 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 there's a timing for everything too. I think as the student, <clears throat> excuse me, progresses, and maybe some fine tuning needs to happen, you know, then you might want to take a, a little bit, you know, closer examination through it, using some of the technology that's out there. But I think to go to your point, Cindy, I think when we see a lot of uh, students, you know, first time students, they're sort of hooking them up to the electrodes um, from day one, um, you know that just adds to the confusion and they're, you know, they don't understand what all this means. In fact, there's a lot of teachers that don't even understand what, uh, in some cases, what a lot of this means. And so, you know, they're spending most of their time trying to translate what all of these numbers and the bells and the whistles, you know, really mean and not really teaching the game itself. So uh, this poses a question that I want to ask you, uh, Jody, in relationship to, you know, training uh, teaching professionals, how do you find balance? How do you help them find balance in their teaching? Obviously, everybody's different. Everybody has their own pattern. But how do you, you know, help them understand from a holistic standpoint that, you know, technology is good, but let's not, you know, beat the students over the head with it. How do you, how do you sort of have that conversation with them? 
I think I heard earlier in your conversation um, that, you, you know, our instructors have to first and foremost be very good listeners. And before they can be a very good listener, they have to ask the right open-ended questions to create responses that, like I, I always kind of joke with them and say, you know, you're almost like a CSI detective and you want to get, peel that onion, peel that onion each layer and get into the perspective of your student in front of you and really understand them versus starting from the outside and say, okay, uh, Jane, I'm going to introduce you to TrackMan today and, and her eyes are like glazing over because that just doesn't work for her. So I think the balance is all about um, it being student-centered and starting from that student and asking for what they are all about, what they've come to you for. Continue with open-ended questions. Listen, listen, listen. Um, instead of you know giving everything that you know about a golf swing to them, pick and choose and um, you know provide those those specific things that you think as an instructor will help that individual in front of you. And if it's getting them on, you know, a balance board or a pressure board and allowing them to see for the first time how to transfer their weight and, and finish that energy Mm. flow to finish because it's tactile and that works for them, then absolutely introduce that technology, but you're not going to impress them by introducing it for the, for the fact that, it, hey, I've got this bell and whistle for you. I think it has to be flipped on the, from the inside out from that, from that perspective of the student. Well said. I agree. I think you have to. There's a right time to introduce it, and I think sometimes the students will uh, almost even guide you into that, that next step. And I think if you, again, if you sort of are hitting them hard and heavy right from day one with a lot of this technology – um, especially your newer golfers, many of them are going to be very intimidated um, by that. They don't want to, you know, they don't want to look foolish. It's it's difficult enough. It's stressful enough to come out there if they've never played before. Now all of a sudden they've got to perform for a machine, um, it, you know, get the right numbers, and uh, it's very very confusing. Um, Cindy, go ahead. How has your summer been? Let's change the subject. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you asking? Uh, <laughs> yes. You know what? It's it was fine. Um luckily because we're on an island up here, you know, our numbers were a little on the low side and I don't want to talk pandemic because we're all into pandemic fatigue, but um we opened up our golf courses pretty quickly after, you know, the initial roll through and a lot of people don't realize but we we golf all year round up here and um so it's it's been great. I've been out on the golf course a ton. And, um, you know, we have a little two-and-a-half-acre plot here where my husband and I and my our hairy son, uh, Bubba, an American Staffordshire train, uh, Terrier, um, live. And I love gardening. And so I'm out often in my garden and, and growing vegetables. And uh, it's been great. Cindy, how about, how about you guys? How was your summer? We've never been busier. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because golf was open, yep. so we've got so many new students that you know they couldn't do anything else. They decided to play golf, so we're very, very fortunate. And I can't. How come you can play all year? That's really baffling me. I know a lot of people think that I'm lying, but I'm not because 
if you think Seattle, you know, in their weather, the Pacific Northwest, it's, it's, it's a, a rainforest. It's a kind of a tropical rainforest, um, not tropical in the sense that you have down in the south, but um, I think it's a temperate, actually, rainforest. So we, don't, we get very little snow. And if it, it does come, it's around for about three weeks and then it's gone. So, But, yeah, we saw a massive surge in, in playing up here as well. And it's really cool. I mean, it's a great benefit for our industry that people feel like uh, they're coming back to the golf course because they can be safe and out in the outdoors. And I love this game. I think it's, it's a great training ground for life. And, um, you know, my future is is creating more programs that can uh, integrate mindfulness and golf and, and hopefully we can all be better in the long run as human beings on the planet. There you go. Wow. Well said. (laughs) Yeah. I I didn't even know that. And I'm from, I'm from Canada and I didn't even know that Vancouver uh, Island, you could play all year round. I I kind of expected you'd have your snowy weather. I knew it rained a lot, but um, I didn't realize that. So that's interesting. Um, you know, it, and with so many people coming out this year, as we've all experienced, of course, I live now in Florida, and, you know, we, uh, again, we have obviously golf all year round, uh, other than a few days here and there, but, um, and, and Cindy, you've been, you've been very fortunate. You guys have had a, at least early on, you had a milder beginning to, uh, or very nice fall and milder winter. Um, what do you, what would you like, uh, Jody, to see, in 2021 um given this sort of surge in in golf this year what would you like to see happen next year how how are we going to keep these people engaged so that it's not just sort of a a, you know a a flighting moment or fleeting moment excuse me i think we have to create fun and one of the concepts that we've all heard is this gamification piece and so you know, people aren't motivated by drill sergeants. And I think if we can make things a lot more fun, um, and and I'm going to do a shout out to Operation 36 here. I use these guys um, for the last year and their philosophy, and, and it's partially mine too, is to get the people out on the golf course teaching them. You know, you mentioned that earlier, Ted, that we're, we're teaching golf swing and technique a whole lot and we're not allowing players to learn how to actually play the game. So if we can create some things like Operation 36 has done where, you know, they start at 25 yards out, the par is 36. If they can go around in nine holes and get that ball in the hole from 25 yards out in four per hole is the goal. If they get a three on one and a five on another, that still works. As long as they get a 36, they get to move back to 50 yards and try it all over again. And it's, and it's, it's kind of a combination of that technology, of that um, online relationship with their instructor, and the gamification and fun. So that's what I'd like to see is some innovation that um, gets people off the lesson tee, gets them on the golf course, create some games and some challenges, have some social interaction amongst um, players, some camaraderie that allows people to be motivated from each other. And um, and let's let's not be so damn serious and have some fun out there. I I couldn't agree more. Well said, um, Jody. As we wrap up, uh, we want to just give you a quick moment to let the listeners know if they want to reach out to you or uh, find out more about uh, your teaching and and what you're doing. Uh, what's the best way to to get in touch? 
Yeah, I've got a website, uh, jodyjacksongolf.com. I'm also on um, Facebook, Jody Jackson Golf, Twitter, Instagram, and um, through the LPJ. You, uh, we have it right on our site on how to get a hold of our instructors. So you can reach me there too. Perfect. Awesome. Thank well, you Jody- so much. What a pleasure. Thank you, guys. Thanks for yeah, having thank me. You. Thank you for getting up uh, early this morning. I hope you had a Tim Hortons coffee uh, brew in there, and um, one of my favorites, of course. And uh, we'll definitely have you come back on in the new year and spend a little bit more time with us, but we appreciate you taking a very early morning uh, with us this morning. And thank you very much, Jody, and have a great holiday season. Thank you, and to you both. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, it was Jody Jackson. Uh, jodyjacksongolf.com. You can get in touch with her there or right on the LPGA. Um, all right. Interesting show. I uh, enjoyed it. Had uh, some good discussion and a great guest. And we want to thank you for joining us the, this morning. Um, as always, Cindy, thank you very much. And uh, thank you guys out there. And we'll see you next week. Next week, by the way, will be our last show of the 2020 season. Uh, we'll be taking an extended break and we'll be coming back. I believe it's February 2nd will be our first show. Uh, We're going to take a longer break as we get ready and gear up for a new year. So um, make sure you tune in next week here on the Women of Golf. God bless everybody and have a great uh, week. Thanks, Cindy. Thank you. Thanks for listening this morning to the Women of Golf show. Tune in live each week by visiting blogtalkradio.com forward slash women of golf or on any of these social media platforms iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and of course Spotify. If you can't join us live, check out our on-demand section for previously aired broadcasts. To get updates for future shows and upcoming guests, you can follow us on Facebook at Women of Golf. You can also follow me on Twitter at Ted and Buck CEO and Cindy at Cindy Miller Golf. Please remember to join us next week on the Women of Golf Show. See you next time. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.